0: You know, you go to any church and you look around, and I don't care if there's five people in the church or if there's 500 people in the church. For however many people there are, you're going to have that many opinions. And some of those opinions, they might be the same. They might be close, or they may be 180-degree polar opposite. But what I want to want you to understand this morning is I'm talking to everybody here as believers. So that's five to five hundred believers with 180 degree opinions. That ought to be interesting. So let's keep that in mind as we go through this. That we're we're talking about believers and our varied opinions. I'll read through the scripture this morning as we customarily do, and then we'll pray again, and then we we'll, we'll get started. So 1 Corinthians 10 23 through 33 says all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, Then do not eat it for the sake of the one for who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church. Just as I try to please everyone and everything, I do not, I do not, I do not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds to the fact that you have set us free. But with that freedom also comes a responsibility and an obligation, an obligation to one another. So, Father, I pray that you'd be here this morning and that it would be your words that are heard and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. So look around you today. Be your, your sphere of influence, the people that you associate with and in those that you don't associate with. Everybody is taking polar sides to, it seems, almost everything. Pick your topic, and we'll argue over it for the sake of an argument. That's where we're at today. You know, in America, we our ethos has been individualism. And today we've taken that individualism to a whole new level. But unfortunately, we're doing it at the expense of those around us. We're, 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 I'm going to be me, and I don't care what that does to you. And that's kind of where we're at today. And it's unfortunate. Um, and I think we're going to see in this passage as we go through this that's, that's not what God intended, it's not what God wants from us as Christians. As believers. And remember, we're talking about believers this morning. All right? Verse 23, it says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. A Mature believer should not be caught up in legalism. I think we, I hope we would all agree on that. However, we also need to realize that there's a fine line between that and arrogance. And we need to understand that if I stand up here and I go, well, God has set me free from these legalistic views and you are just stuck there. What am I doing to you if I do that? What are you doing to somebody else when you do that to them? And that arrogance that every one of us are guilty of because I know I've done it and I've seen others do it, even when we don't mean to. But that arrogance can really have some damaging results on people around us. Because every one of us are at various stages of our faith, at various stages of how we understand God's word, where God has taken us on our personal Journey because God is working on each one of us differently. All to the same purpose. We're all going to wind up in the same spot, but I guarantee you that the path God is taking me on is not the same path He's taking Jeff or Jesse or anybody else on. And we need to be cognizant of that. And when I get when we, you know, scripture tells us over and over again. Um that we're to love each other. We're called out to be known by our love for one another. That arrogance is not love. And if I use that arrogance and I tear somebody down, I'm not loving them. I'm not looking out for my neighbor when I do that. In Scripture, if you look at John 13, 34 through 35, he says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. And he loved us even in our filth. So Remember that. You also are to love one another. So I promise you, I have irritated him more than you have irritated me. And that goes for all of us. But guess what? He still loves me. He still loves you. Keep that in mind as we are dealing with one another in these varying opinions. 35 goes on to say, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so that's how the world knows. If we're a group of believers and we want the world to know we're a group of believers, yet we don't love each other and we're not treating each other with love, What's that telling them out there that's looking at us? Doesn't look very good. And the thing about Jesus is Jesus had patience with me. He had patience with you. He has shown me in you kindness and mercy and grace. And that's what we need to be showing each other. And to love others is to be empathetic with them too. We need to, we need to be able to empathize with somebody. Because guess what? Even with non believers, non believers are caught up in their sin and they are destined to receive God's wrath. And prior to you coming to Christ, you were in the same boat. I was in the same boat. I need to remember that. So just because at this time God has pulled me out of that doesn't really make me a whole lot better than they are. So don't get cocky with your faith. And don't get arrogant. Because there's many people out there that may not be saved yet. Yet's the key word. They will be. Because as long as we're here on earth, this side of heaven, and Christ hasn't come back yet, that means the fullness hasn't happened yet. That means there's still more out there that are yet to come to him. So keep that in mind when you're talking to somebody and you get the urge to look down your nose at them because they don't believe yet or they don't believe the way you believe. And also remember your struggles. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to struggle. We're going to struggle with things that legalism, We're going to struggle with uh, things I want to do and I like to do that, you know what, I know I shouldn't do. I'm human. And I'm going to struggle with that. My struggle is going to be different than yours. Yours is different than mine. So, I don't have any business looking down on you, just as you don't have any business looking down on me. We're to love each other where we're at. And you know that that patience we talked about that God had with us. He's still doing it. He's still having patience with us. He is still showing mercy to us and grace to us. And I've had stronger brothers and sisters over my lifetime show that grace and that kindness to me. And I know each one of you probably have had the same, and so we need to remember that, and we need to be doing the same with others this should be a continuous thing that we're doing daily look at romans 15 if you would go to romans chapter 15 we're going to start in verse 1 romans 15:1 says we are strong we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let us each, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Jesus Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So why do we treat each other with love? Why do we have patience with one another? Why do we put this face forward that we are called to do? It is ultimately for the glory of God. I told Carol, I says, tit- titling this, Do It for God. I should have said, Do It for the Glory of God, because that's what we are called to do. Everything we do in our lives. Now, this, you know, is using a metaphor of eating, of what you're going to eat but this is what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to do, what you're going to say. It's, a, it's all encompassing. Everything we do is to be for the glory of God. And those strengths that God has given each one of us, use them to glorify God. Because where I may be strong, you may be weak, and vice versa. I might be weak in an area that you're strong And we can help each other and we can lift each other up. And when we do this, instead of breaking each other down, we glorify God. That's where we're supposed to be. That's what we're called to do. And just as you just saw in Scripture, it's an obligation. It's not a suggestion. It's an obligation that we have to bear with one another. And you will, I will, we all will. On the, day, on the day of the Lord, we're going to give an answer. We're going to give an account for the actions that we have done as believers here on earth. Scripture tells us over and over that what God has given us, we're going to give an account for how we used it. And that includes any damage we may have done to somebody. Second Corinthians five ten says, "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And done in the body means what you're doing or have done or will do right now here on planet Earth, this side of heaven. You will give an account for what you've done." And in Galatians five fifteen says. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out. That you're not consumed by one another. Think about that. So if we're sitting here and we're arguing over things, debating, I believe, I I, I think one way, you think another. So instead of coming together on this and working our way through it, we're just gonna fight. What is that? Animosity and that bitterness gonna do it's gonna devour our group, our body. Who does that so who does that support? Who does that make happy? See, if we get to the point that our arguing and our bickering and with each other because we disagree on topics, topics that are not relevant to salvation. Let's be clear on that. I'm not talking about those topics because there is those are cut and dry. Right? I'm talking about things that don't pertain to your salvation. If all we're doing is sitting around arguing about these things and we're doing it especially where people see us, the one we're making happy here is the prince of this world, Satan himself because he's got us where he wants us. And we are not effectively doing what Christ has called us to do. If we're consuming each other, we are not glorifying God. We are not presenting the church, His bride, to the world. Keep that in mind. What's more important to you? Your pride? Your neighbor? Or the church? Keep those in mind. Verse 25 of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians says, Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And we have all know, if you look at Acts 10, 15, says, you know, don't call unclean what God has called clean. But there are still people that are caught up in these, and again, we go back to legalism. And a lot of this goes back to immature faith. And each of us, as we grow, we start to understand and we start to embrace the freedoms that God has given us through our salvation. That he has set us free from these binding chains of sin that every one of us was caught up in. And this argument, though, over what is clean, what is unclean, what is okay to do, what's not okay to do. I've seen this. I, it, I watched this in a church about 20, probably about 25 years ago, 23 years ago. I watched the church just split right down the middle. I watched people leave the church, hurt. I watched people leave church and never go back to another church. Others, fortunately, the majority of them that left went to another church, but it was heartbreaking. And I was kind of immature in my time, so I didn't quite really understand what I was watching happen at the time. But it destroyed for a while this church. And it had to do with the argument over what was right and what was wrong. One believes this way, one feels this way. It had nothing to do with salvation. And it tore that church up. And, it's, and there were some people seriously damaged in that argument. So we got to be careful. we got to be careful when we are looking at what's clean, what's unclean, what's okay, what's not okay. Because I promise you that even in this room, each one of us probably have some polar opposite opinions on some subjects. So we got to be careful. When we do this, too, it says the stronger we're supposed to use our strengths to help those that are weaker. But what does this say about the supposed stronger person when he's beating somebody else up with his beliefs? It probably means they're not as strong as they think they are usually the person that's got to kick the most is battling in here with what he's talking about so what's he doing well I'm going to take you down with me that's not what I, I, it's not their thought process but that's what's going on misery loves company and remember you know uh, what we saw in Galatians 15 or 515 you know this, what this bickering and this arguing can do, that it will consume us if we let it happen. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says, 12 through 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So work out your your salvation between you and God. Work it out. Go ask for help where you need help, but don't put your baggage on somebody else. Don't make them carry your baggage if you're struggling with something. It's okay to ask for help, but don't put it off on somebody else so that you feel like you've been brought, brought up with it. You should be concerned about doing God's will in your own life. Don't worry about what you think God's will is for somebody else's life. Worry about your own. Where God has, con- where God has convicted you in things, he will convict somebody else in things as well. Remember that. Verse 27 of First Corinthians 10 says, If one of the believers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any questions on a ground of conscience. So if a believer or even a non-believer asks you to go do something, And you feel led to do it. Go. Go do it. Every one of us has got friends that aren't believers. Does that mean we never do anything with them? No. Go. And enjoy your time. But if they ask you to do something or or whatnot that might be uh, contrary to God's will for you, you don't partake in that. So a little discernment here on your part that we've got to do here. You know, a, a good example would be, your, your buddy Billy asks you to go fishing. He's not a believer. And you know, Billy, he's gonna have a six pack of beer with him when we go fishing. But you, you know, maybe you, that's something you just absolutely not supposed to do that. This is not your time to get on your soapbox. If you feel led to go fishing with your buddy Billy, go fishing with him and enjoy it and have a good time. You don't have to have a beer with him. You can have a glass of water or you can go without. It's that simple. Bring, your, bring some soda pop or whatever you want to do. This is not your time to put your buddy Billy down because he wants to have a beer while he's fishing. Or pick whatever you think the sun might be. It would be pretty miserable if all we ever did was sit at home, not go out with anybody, not visit with anybody, not do anything, because we don't think alike. We don't believe the exact same way. It's kind of boring sitting at home, right? Don't do that. Go out and have fun. But understand, you don't have to participate in things that are contrary to God's law or contrary to God's will for you. And if somebody asks you to do something, just politely decline. Say, no, you know, I don't need that. And a lot of times you will find that by being quiet and just showing your beliefs quietly through your actions will say more than what will ever come out of your mouth. In chaplain training, they call this the ministry of presence. Just being there. The fact that you made yourself open to God to be in a moment that he has placed you in to be of service to him and to be used however he wants to use you in that moment. It's called the ministry of presence. You don't always have to open your mouth a lot of times the best thing you can do is keep your mouth shut. If you think about it, the biggest example of that is Christ going to the cross. If anybody ever had a reason to complain about things that were being done and things that were being said, it was Christ. And what did he do? He was silent. And in his silence, he brought more glory to God than any of us ever could but run our mouths. So remember that. Maybe if God can or Christ can hold his tongue, maybe once in a while we can. It's kind of hard for me. I got a big mouth. You know and the other thing is is that uh, in Matthew 9:10, it talks about Christ going to the house of the sinners, tax collectors and sinners. And I'm sure there were some things going on there that were not God's will, not pertinent to what God would want us doing. But it says Christ reclined at the table with them. And it says many, it said many tax collectors and sinners reclined with him. I'm imagining they enjoyed their time. I'm sure, I am Paul. I mean, Christ didn't do anything that was contrary to God's will in these moments. But it says they enjoyed their time, because that's the image you get when it says that they reclined. You know, they were talking and whatever it is they do, you do at dinner. And this is repeated in, Mar- in Mark 2, 15 through 22, and again in Luke 5, 29 through 39. Typically, when we see accounts being repeated in Scripture, there is a reason for it. God is driving home a point. Now, I'm, I'm not saying this is the whole point of these stories, but what I am saying is you can enjoy some time with a friend that believes different than you without you getting on your soapbox and beating them over the head with the Bible, and beating them over the head with your beliefs. If, there, if there's a moment that God wants you to speak into their lives, if you'll be silent, God will open that door. And the timing will be his timing, not yours. And it'll have an effect. I promise you that. If you'll wait and let it be God's timing, it will be effective. Whereas if we do it the way Joe likes to do things, it makes a big mess of things. So don't be like Joe. And if we do it God's way and we do it in his timing, who gets the glory? Me for shooting my mouth off or God? God gets the glory. Verse 28 says, but if someone says to you, this has been offered in a sacrifice, then do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. I don't mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So if somebody invites you to do something, are like, yeah, I know, Joe's a Christian. Ah, I'm going to see if I can get him to to do this you know this could be a test this could be that you know they're wanting to see what you're going to do do you practice what you preach or are you just going to bend and go with whoever you're with and whatever you're doing at the time so this could be somebody testing you to see if you really believe what you say. Or they could be setting you up and trying to, <laughs> trying to knock you down. So if you know something is wrong. And it's thrown out there by the person inviting you. Say no. It's okay. You don't, and you don't have to elaborate on it. Alright? You don't have to beat them up. You just have to say no. If God wants you to say more. He'll open the door for you to say more. Don't push the door open. If you got to push it open, God ain't opening it. Remember, our freedoms have consequences and they have responsibilities too. Use them wisely. Go back to Romans 14. Pick it up in verse 13. It says, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Well, We're good at that, aren't we? We like to judge each other. But rather decide to never put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know I'm persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. If someone believes that something is wrong and they do it, for them it's wrong it's a sin that means God for whatever reason has put that on their conscience maybe you think it's okay maybe between you and God it is okay but for that person at that time it's wrong if they believe it's wrong 15 for if your brother is grieved by what you eat or do you're no longer walking in love By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Christ died for you, but he also died for me, and he died for every believer around, every believer in this church, every believer in every church, every believer that's ever been and ever will come. Christ died for every one of us. So don't tear down somebody that Christ died for with your freedoms, your beliefs. So do not let what you regard of as good be spoken of as evil. Well, I sure wished I could read my handwriting. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy. It's not supposed to be a battle. There's supposed to be joy in this. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. If you fully believe something is okay, but you know that you have a brother or a sister that is watching you, and this is something they struggle with, maybe you shouldn't do it in front of them. Maybe you should wait. Because in your doing this in front of them could cause them harm. It could cause them to stumble in their faith. And like we've already seen, you're going to be held accountable for that. Take it serious. 21 says, It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything, anything that causes your brother to stumble. And what do we call this? You know, our our Christianese, the way we talk, what do we call that? We call that dying to oneself. John 5 13 says, Greater love is no one than this, that they lay down his life for his friends. We're not. Totally talking about somebody that physically dies and becomes a martyr. You know, we're talking about somebody that says, I'm going to swallow my pride for the sake of my brother, for the sake of my sister. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be, it doesn't have to be my way. Picking back up in 22 there in Romans says, The faith that you have, keep it between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. Don't let your freedoms get you in trouble by how you exercise them. And likewise, don't let your convictions get you into trouble either. So don't be pushing either one off on the other other person. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because eating is not from faith. Again, if a person knows what they're if is convicted by what they're doing, they feel it. They they believe it's wrong. If they do it, it is wrong. Even if I think it's okay. But whoever has, what are you doing? For whoever does not proceed from faith is sin. See, God will convict you of what he does not approve of. The other side of that is God will give you peace when you're doing what he does approve of. So if we're honest with ourselves, we know what God is approving of and what God is not approving of in our actions. I also want to point out something else. When you came to faith, it, I came to faith. Don't pick on you, I'll pick on me. When I came to faith, thank God he didn't make me clean up all at once. I don't know if I'd have survived that. So he started pointing out things in my life as time went on. This needs to go, that needs to go, or you need to add this. Well, he's doing that to every one of us. And so remember that when you see somebody that's doing something that maybe you don't approve of. That maybe God hasn't convicted them of that yet. You know, God's still cleaning them up just like he's cleaning you up. And this is an ongoing process. As long as we're this side of heaven, it's going to continue to happen. God's going to be cleaning us each one up over and over, little by little. Because I can tell you what, I had enough stuff in my life. I don't know if I'd have made it through it if he'd told me I had to clean it all up at once. It was, uh, it was like when I first started attending church here, right? I was helping Jeff with the youth group. And uh, I had used chewing tobacco probably most of my life. I think I started chewing Copenhagen when I was <laughs> a little runt. And I had tried to quit over the years, and it just didn't work out real well. I'd get pretty honery, and Carol'd say, "You go back to the bunkhouse." (laughs) I don't want you around. And so you know, fast forward many years later, and I'm helping Jeff out. And one night we're we're down there, we got all the kids down there, and I kind of snuck around the corner to go put a put a chew in, and I just kind of chuckled to myself. I thought, you know, what are you doing? These kids know what you're doing you know and that was with that moment i felt god say all right it's time to give it up i'd tried giving it up before and it just didn't work and so i remember praying that night i said all right god you're telling me it's got to go you got to take it from me because this don't work out real well that was april 27th of 2011 i've not had a chew since it was not the easiest thing i've ever done you know uh, but I had the support of some real solid friends and family. And this time it was God taking it away from me. And I made it. So that's what I, so I, I tell you that because I want you to understand that when it's time for you to give up something, God will let you know. He will convict you of it. And just because he hasn't convicted somebody else of it, you know, doesn't mean you get to beat him up. And I'm positive I was just as saved at that time when I was chewing as I am today not chewing. So it had nothing to do with my salvation. But it had something to do with the uh, example I was setting. You know, and again, that goes back to that stumbling block. Uh, Maybe somebody would see me doing that and they, that was something they were convicted on, and maybe that could cause them to stumble in their faith. I don't know. I don't know who was watching. 1 Corinthians 8, 9 through 12 says, But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in the idol's temple, will he not be encouraged? If his his conscience is weak, to eat food offered from idols. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother from whom Christ died. Again, we're back to that. Christ died for them as much as they died for you. Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. So, when we do this, we're sinning against God. And just in case you think this is something new or something that they maybe snuck in as they wrote the New Testament, you go all the way back to Leviticus. Leviticus 19, verse 14 says, You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Now, we all know. With Scripture, we're not just talking about the physical blind and the physical deaf. There's the spiritual blind and the spiritual deaf as well. He's telling you all the way back in the Mosaic Law don't be a stumbling block to your brother and your sister. Picking back up in, uh, in verse 31 of 1 Corinthians 10 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And that's the key verse to what we're talking about this morning. Everything you do, do it for the glory of God. When you run out there and you say, this is how I believe. I don't care how you believe. This is how I do things. This is, you know, and, and I don't care about what how you might think or what you, how is that glorifying God? How does that serve God if I take that mindset before people? It doesn't. It does the exact opposite. And again, going back to what I called before as the the ministry of presence, many times the best thing we can do is keep our mouth shut. I've got many relatives that do things. Our lifestyles are 180 degree different. And we we just had a big family. Well, not big because a lot of people didn't make it this year. But a family get together, you know. And there's many of us. Polar opposite lifestyles. If I took that moment... To go in there and start screaming you're going to hell because you do XYZ. If I took it at that moment to go in there and start doing to them, there ain't no one of them would ever talk to me again. Well, what good does that do? If I want God to use me to reach them, what good would that do if I took that moment to climb on my soapbox and start preaching down at them? Unfortunately, some of us are known for doing that, and it does more damage than it does good so verse thirty two says ending up here says, "Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the Church of God. Jews in today's language is your fellow believers, those of us." that are together, Greeks, unbelievers. And the church of God is the church, the Catholic little c church, the universal church. We've got a lot of friends out there that, and family that I'm sure, just like mine, are involved in all kinds of sin, all kinds of debauchery, there's things in the church that are going on that we all know aren't right. We see it. There's things maybe each one of us does that rubs the other wrong, but we're told don't. Was it say don't give no offense to your fellow believers, to the non-believers, or to the church. Love them. Look at them with compassion. Don't focus on what our differences are. Focus on loving them. If you want those individuals to come to Christ, and you want to be used to bring them to Christ, beating them over the head for our differences, beating them for thinking different than we think, is not going to work. You will not be the one God uses because you've made yourself unavailable in the moment. If you're going into the moment and you want to be used, the way to do it is prayerful. You start by praying. All right, buddy Billy invited me fishing. I really want him to come to know the Lord. Start praying on it right after I agree to go fishing with him. In fact, maybe I was praying that we'd get to go fishing so I could have time to talk to him. Pray about it. Be mindful, thoughtful of the words that come out of your mouth while you're there. Be careful how you say them. And mostly, Let the words that come out be God's words. Let them be the words God puts in your mouth. That's how you're going to be used. That's how you're going to be used by God to bring Buddy Billy to Christ. It's not going to be by Joe going out there and shooting his mouth off. Verse 33 says, Just as I try to please everyone and everything I do, Not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. And that's the point. That they may be saved. Don't beat them up. Don't try to get on your high horse and tell them everything you think is right or wrong. Treat them with love and compassion. Be available to them. Be available to God to be used, and you will. And God will use you. If you will prayerfully and mindfully enter into these moments, God will use you. It'll be cool to see happen. It is cool to look back and go, wow, that's pretty neat what just happened. And then, where did I come up with that at? You know, and then you realize that that was God speaking through you. That wasn't you. And that's when those moments happen. That's when you are your most effective. You know, and this is this is totally different to what our culture tells us with this individualism. Because, you know, our culture tells us it's all about me. So I'm going to give you the book of Joe. You know, you start hearing the book of Joe, you probably ought to run. Because it's not going to be good. But. This right here is what we're what we're called to give we're called to give the word of god not our words. And so as we go through this think about those that you have around you that fr- that really frustrate you especially if they're your loved ones. The ones that you do, they just drive you nuts. Their lifestyle the sin they're caught up in, you just like to grab them by the top of their head and maybe even shake them up a little bit. Don't do it. Pray. Pray about it. Don't beat them up for what they're doing. Doesn't mean you got to approve of it. Doesn't mean you got to join in on it. Pray. Be ready for that moment that God puts you in there Be ready to be used. If you've been praying about it ahead of time, when that moment comes, God will use you. God's going to use you to reach those people, whether it's a non-believer or a fellow believer that's struggling. If you go into this prayerfully, God will use you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Father, for this time that you've given us. Father, I know that I am someone that needs patience. And so I pray that you would not only, Lord, give me patience, but you would give us all patience, all of us. For those around us, Lord, that we would look on them with love, with kindness, and and show them the grace, Father, that you have shown us. Remembering, Lord, what you have pulled us up out of. Father, it doesn't come natural. And so for us to have this, it has to come from you. For us to serve you properly, for us to bring you glory, Lord, we can only do it if you enable us to do it. And so, Father, we ask you this morning that you would enable us, that you would prepare us for those moments, Lord, where you would work through us and use us. So, Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.